This weekly broadcast is an in-depth study of Leviticus and is presented to you by Cornerstone Bible Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You can email us at indepthbibleteaching at yahoo.com. And now, here's our teacher, Alex Del Percio. Let's turn your Bibles this morning to Leviticus chapter 3. Now, this is a statistic that I ran across this week. It says it's been estimated in the last 5,600 years that there have been 14,531 wars and only 292 years of world peace out of 5,600, 292 years. Well, this is mainly because that man does not have peace in his heart. And the only way we can have peace in our heart is through Jesus Christ. Paul says we have been reconciled to God through Christ. And today we're going to talk about the peace offering. Now we looked at the burnt offering, we looked at the meal offering. Now we're going to deal with the peace offering. That would be in chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Um, and that would be chapter 7. We're also going to look mainly in chapter 7. You can uh, put a marker there. We're going to look at maybe four or five scriptures there. And that would be chapter 7. Uh, verses 11 through 21 and 28 through 34. Now the peace offering was called in the scripture also the wave offering and the heave offering. It's the same, it's the same thing. Now what the Israelites would do is they would bring this offering uh, in thanksgiving for the peace that they had with God, for the fellowship that they had with God, and for the... Um, communion that they experienced with God. That was basically the main thing with the, with the um, peace offering. Now, we're going to look at a couple things here. Now, before we go to this, go to chapter 7, verse 11. Now, we looked at the meat offering or the meal offering, and the meal offering was also presented with the peace offering. These, these offerings were not just usually one offering. They would have one offering followed by the peace offering or integrated with the meal offering. So you'd have the burnt offering and sometimes you would have also uh, the meal offering and so on. Um, in chapter 7, verse 11, and this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord, if he offer it with thanksgiving, then he shall offer it with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, unleavened cakes mingled with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil, and, and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. Now, we looked at all that before, but I thought it was very interesting that in order to have the peace offering given correctly and received by God, that, that what had to accompany that was also the, the meal offering, which talks about you and I being ground, crushed, and sifted into to fine flour that we looked at. All that, see, that work of God, that labor, integrated 
into the peace offering. So we have peace with God, but remember, peace with God for us is based upon our surrender, first of all, to Christ, and we come in, you know, when we first came to Christ, and our continual surrender to Him, which makes all that in the offering, the meal offering, possible, and which makes the peace offering possible. Now, there were three types of peace offerings. The thank offering, that's what we're going to look at today. Uh, we actually could look at each one, one one week, but we don't have the time for that. But that was basically to show thanksgiving to God, something that we, we do now today, you know, for, for having fellowship with Him, for having the, the peace with Him, we thank Him. That's the thank offering. Then you have the votive offering, as it's called in the King James, or the vowed offering, which would be a pledge or request to God. Uh, one meaning is a sacrifice of a vow, which, of course, we know is voluntary. Uh, you see this in the Old Testament in many places where uh, an individual would vow a vow to the Lord. Now, it's not something that he required, but it's something that came out from the heart of the individual because of the work of God or something that, that they saw or something that they wanted. Um, sometimes you hear someone say that when I was a young Christian, I said, Lord, if I get out of this, I will serve you and I will do such and such and such and such. Well, that's basically like a, like a vow, a votive offering. But that has to be followed through. It has to be carried through for it to be that offering that God is, is really looking for. And then you had the free will offering, which was a, a spontaneous thing that came out of the heart uh, of praise and worship. You know, when you were in praise and worship to Him, it would be a spontaneous thing, a free will offering. So those are the three basic types. Now, let's go to chapter 7, verse 29. Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, He that offereth the sacrifice of his peace offerings unto the Lord shall bring his oblation or his sacrifice unto the Lord of the sacrifice of his peace offerings. Now the word peace offerings here means a voluntary, this is what the Strong says, voluntary sacrifice and thanks. Um, in uh, the Brown Drivers Briggs lexicon it says a sacrifice, and I like this, it's a sacrifice of friendship. So that when you become a friend to someone, many times it will involve some type of sacrifice, be it your time or whatever it is. Uh, and you see this in the Old Testament with Abraham and God. God tells Abraham, leave your country, leave Ur of the Chaldees, and, and I will make of you, uh, I will make your descendants as the... the um, stars in the sky and the sand of the sea. So Abraham obeys God and he leaves, and eventually that particular promise that God gave him was fulfilled. So you had uh, this covenant, if you will, of peace between Abraham and God. And you see that throughout the Scriptures. Uh, now the root of that word... The word, I'm looking at the two English words, peace offering, in this verse. Uh, 
the Hebrew word. The root of that word is shalom. Now, we are familiar, probably, most of us, with the word shalom. Shalom is, is meaning peace. Shalom is the, re, the root word of that. And that word means uh, to be at peace, a peaceful one, uh, to make peace with or to be complete. So, so when you see this word throughout the Scripture, it's always dealing with some type of peace. You know, between people, uh, with God, etc., etc. Now, the, the, the peace offering was basically symbolic of righteousness and fellowship. Remember, this is another, the first three offerings, including this one, were given when the offerer was in fellowship with God. The sin offering and a trespass offering were when they were out of fellowship with God. So this is dealing with a, a person, the Israelite, when he's in fellowship with God, and he's moving in, in the righteousness that God provides there, and he's having fellowship with the Lord. In Colossians, this is an interesting verse. Turn to Colossians 3. We read some of these verses in the New Testament, and we don't see the similarity uh, to some of the verses in the Old Testament, in particular Leviticus. There's so many scriptures in the New Testament that are partial quotes of uh, Leviticus, and not only in Hebrews. Now, we know Hebrews is full of um, the typology from Leviticus, but in other uh, books also. In Colossians 3.15... And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called into one body, and be ye thankful. So you see these two words used in this verse here in, in Colossians. Uh, peace, peace with God, and thankful. See, because they're related in the Old Testament with the peace offering. So he says here, let, and that's actually a command. You know, it's, it's really, some of the scriptures are just really, <laughs> think about them. It's like God said, I'm commanding you to have peace <laughs> with me. But it's a command, and uh, it means to, to decide based upon correct judgment. So, so the idea is carried with his word, let the peace of God reign. The idea here is still surrender, that we as believers are to surrender to him. And when we surrender to God in whatever area of life that may be for you today, then we will experience the peace of God. And when we do not surrender, then we will not experience the, the peace um, that passes all understanding. I mean, we, we've come in to Christ and we experience peace, but as we walk with Him, there, ha there is to be this, this surrender so that we are able to move into other areas. Okay, now, let's turn to Leviticus 3. Now, they did the same things here with the peace offering, with the animals, that they did uh, with the burnt offering. Remember, they came to the outer court, the door of the outer court, and they would bring the animal in, and then they would take it over, uh, close to the, um, the brazen altar, and they would kill the animal. The priest would get the pan, catch some of the blood, put the blood on 
uh, the altar, around the altar, the size of the altar, and pour it out at the base of the altar. Uh, and then the uh, offering would be flayed, which means skinned, and then cut into pieces. And we'll, we'll look at that again for a few minutes later. And then they would put it upon the altar, and they would burn the entire offering on the altar. That was the burn off offering. With the peace offering, they went through the same process, but they did not burn all of it on the altar. Now, there are differences here, and um, I'm going to go through some of them, and then I'll summarize them later on so, so we can get the idea here. Uh, let me see. Do I have anything else here? Not yet, no. Okay. In Leviticus 3, now remember, in the burnt offering, they were only allowed to bring a male of the, of the, uh, the flock or the herd. This offering differs. They could bring a male or a female. It's really, really kind of strange when you first look at this because... One, you see male only. Next one, male or female. Then uh, the sin offering, I, I don't remember what that is. I think it's a, a, a male. And then the trespass offering is a male and female. Or female. No, just female. So it's, there's, there's, there's hidden truth in that. You know, when you read through the book of Leviticus, the first seven chapters, it's just like some of it, Maybe you're different, you can understand it all, but to me, when I, when I read it, some of it seems jumbled and, and not, it wasn't fitting together because in one, one part it would say one thing, another part would say another thing. Did you find that true when you were reading it? Well, there's hidden truth there. That's the, why, the reason why God lays things in the Bible the way he does. He doesn't make things very clear. Now, in certain instances, now... With this offering, <laughs> I can't tell you how, how long I looked at this, and I would look at certain things, and, and some of it is pretty clear, and I, you can understand. Other parts are not as detailed, and we'll look at that when we come to the, the wave and the heave offering, what, what they did. But in um, verse 3 here, and if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offer it of the herd, whether it be male or female, he shall offer it without blemish for the Lord. Verse 6. Uh, we'll look at verse 6 in a second. But the reason why they could offer a male or female, if it was a, a male, if the offering... See, I understand. I, I, just bear with me till I am able to bring this out. If the offering is representing Christ alone, like the burnt offering, it would only be a male offered, a male animal. This offering relates to the, the God and the offerer both. And we'll see that in a little bit. But this illustrates that, that all are accepted in Christ. Whether they are male or female, all are accepted. See, because this offering relates to the Lord and the offerer, not just the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Verse 6. And if his offering for the sacrifice of peace offering unto the Lord be a flock of the flock, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. And there's a verse in 
uh, Galatians 3.28, it says, And neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female, for all, or ye are all one in Christ Jesus. See, so there is no designation as far as only a male can come into salvation, but male and female, all. Paul says there's no designation. You are all one in Christ Jesus. That's what we're seeing here in the peace offering. It can be a male or female offered, for you are all one. There is no sex designation. All are accepted based upon His peace. Revelation says, If the the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and he that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst may come, and whosoever will may partake or drink of the water of life freely. The whosoever will, again, is referring to male or female. We, we see that in the Old Testament that relates to this offering. Now, the animal had to be without blemish, and that word means whole. The animal had to be whole. Uh, verse 6, chapter 1 in Leviticus. And he shall flay the, the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. Same process as the peace offering. <clears throat> the word flay means to, to spread out or to strip. It's talking about the skin and spread the animal out. Do you remember why they did that? Remember they cut the animal open and they opened it up so that they could inspect the innards of the animal. Because any disease, anything that was uh, blemished there on the inward would, would, um, would mean that they would have to take that offering and put it aside. It could not be offered to the Lord. And so the Lord was interested in the inner. That's why the priest had to open that thing up. That's why the Word of God comes forth... And it is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. So, so the, the Word of God will flay and, and open us up so that God can see what's in there. Well, God knows what's in there, but now He wants us to see what's in there so that He can, can do what is needful to change that See, he doesn't get rid of it like here. But he can change that so that the offering from your heart and your life can be without blemish, holy and acceptable unto him and burnt upon the altar. So this without spot is is quite something. There's a verse here. uh, I'll just quote it. But we all with open face as beholding in a glass... Uh, the, the glory of the Lord, are changed into that same image from glory unto glory. It says, we all with open face. The word open in that verse, that's 2 Corinthians 3.18, the word open means unveiled. So the same thought is there in that verse where there is an unveiling, not, uh, not of, the, of the eyes, but of the heart, where the Lord unveils the heart. See, and there's another translation that says, um, we all 
we all having been uncovered, face the glory of the Lord. See, so that is a process in the life of a believer of this flaying and cutting, just like we're seeing in Exodus, so that the offering can be without blemish. Now, another thing that we read, it's in the burnt offering, but it's also in the peace offering here. That What verse is it? Verse 30. Go to chapter 7 again. His own hand shall he bring the offering of the Lord made by fire with the fat, with the breast, and it, sh- it shall he bring that the, bra- the, the breast may be waved, and we'll look at that in a little bit. But he had to bring it with his own hand, which means that they could not get someone else to take that for them. See, you cannot bring the offering of a pre- peace offering through the hands of someone else. So you can't have someone else thank God for you. See, you are the one that's to bring that. The Israel, individual Israelite had to bring the thank offering, which meant, or the peace offering, that they were thankful unto God for the fellowship and the peace that they have experienced, that they have been enjoying. And so that was, that was designated to the individual for, for, um, excuse me, for this offering to be acceptable unto the Lord, they had to bring it with their own hand. Someone else couldn't do that. So the work of God within the individual will, will be the basis or the reason why they will bring the peace offering or the thanksgiving. See, the work of God in your life as a Christian will or should cause you to be thankful to the Lord. See, as you allow the Lord to move in your life and your heart, working in you, see, now He brings about something within that work produced something there. Something that is good, something that is holy, something that is without blemish, blemish, so that now you can be thankful unto the Lord and, so to speak, bring this offering to Him. And Lord, I am, I am thankful. And it's very interesting. I don't know if I have... There was a scripture I ran into... I'll, I'll run across it, I'm sure. Where, where it was, um, I, I saw in the scripture that, that the work in the individual was the basis for their thanksgiving. See, see, where are you today? Has the Lord worked in your life? Has He done certain things for you personally? Well, see, all that will be the basis of your giving thanks to Him. Some people don't give thanks to God uh, with their mouth or in their heart because they don't allow the Lord to work in their life. Now let's go to chapter 7, verse 30 again here. Now after the, the animal, I said, was cut in pieces, the breast and the uh, right shoulder were presented to the Lord. Now it says in the King James, right shoulder, but 
as I was studying that, that's, that's one of these areas that, you know, you're not, you're not sure about. It seems to me that it's actually me, meaning leg, not shoulder. But would that be the same, probably, like in an animal? Um, the hind quarter, the hind leg, uh, whatever part that was, that's what they're going to offer. Now, here's what I want you to see here. Verse 30. His own hands shall bring the offering of the Lord made by fire, the fat with the breast, it shall, it shall he bring, that the breast may be waved for a wave offering before the Lord. <clears throat> now, the wave offering, was they would take uh, the breast of the animal and they would lift it up. Now, I want to read this from Walter Butler's notes. They, they would take it and they would hold it over their heads and they would move it horizontally. Walter Butler's note says, The waving of the breast to the four quarters of the earth was an acknowledgement that God had condescended to hold communion and fellowship with his people wherever they may be. So that's, that's one way of looking at it, where they waved, they just waved it, you know, whatever way that, that you know, they were. Another way of looking at it is that they faced the, uh, the altar, and they held it, and they waved it forward toward the altar, meaning that, Lord, this is yours. I'm giving this to you, because I know that you are the one that provided peace for me. And then they waved it backward, meaning that God acknowledged that, and that now he was going to, to, to assure them that they would be provided for themselves. Now, in several sources that I looked at, it said, and I thought this was very interesting, that the offerer would take the breast and hold it up, and then the priest would come alongside or behind them and put his hands underneath their hands as they waved it. I thought that was very significant. There's so much there. So much there. Now, the wave breast here, and we're going to see the, um, the heave, they call it the heave shoulder, were given as a dedication, uh, given in dedication to God uh, to the, to the, actually to the priest or to the tabernacle, the use of the tabernacle, the use of God in this particular instance. Now, remember this. Where is the breast of the animal? What direction? It's in the front, right? That's that, that which is seen in the front of the animal. See, that which is, so to speak, first. So that another uh, thought here would be that the offer is taking that which is first and giving that to the Lord. See, see does he have that which is first? Or maybe another way of saying it is, is the Lord... In your heart today, first, do you hold him in that place? Do you lift up your hand spiritually and, and move this 
wave breast to Him and say, Lord, You are first in my life. You are first. See, because if we do that, there's always a moving backward and God, you know, the other direction toward us, uh, toward man. And, and God always provides for the heart that places Him first. Always. Always. Sorry. <laughs> so that's, that's the basic, if you want to call it ritual, that the priest went through, or the offer went through with the, um, uh, the breast. Remember, the offer was involved. The priest may have also been involved, like I said, with his hands underneath. Now you come to uh, the heave shoulder, verse 32. And the right shoulder shall ye give unto the priest for a heave offering of the sacrifices of your peace offering. So the, the, the heave offering, they would, gra- would grab this um, shoulder or hind leg, whatever it was, and they would raise it heaven, heavenward and it would come back down. The priests would do that. So whenever they raised it heavenward, they were acknowledging their dependence upon God to provide for them. Because remember, the shoulder and the breast were given to the priests. That was, that was their, so to speak, tithe that was given to them. So they take this thing and raise it up, realizing that they, in their particular office, are depending upon the provision of God for them personally. That's how they ate. They weren't out raising uh, sheep and cattle and what have you. They were provided for by the people, bringing that offering The priests would take it, and now they're going to take this and show their dependency upon God to provide, and they're going to heave this up. And then when they they bring it down, that, I believe, is symbolic of God providing for them. You raise it up, God, you're the one that provides for, for my needs. And then when they bring it down, God's saying, that's right. Now you're going to receive that which you need. So, so these two areas of the offering, very symbolic of God's provision and God's um, heart to share that which is given to him. Remember, the burnt offering was all burnt. All, the whole animal was burnt. Here, God is saying, okay... You're bringing this offering to me. Now I'm going to share it with you. And that's pretty nice. That's pretty nice. See, so, what you offer God, if it's offered correctly, with the right heart, in the right way, through that, God will meet your needs. Be it spiritual, mental, emotional, or physical. God, God does that. That's just what He does. It's just who He is. 
Now, the shoulder was representative of the strength of the animal, which is another aspect here. So they take the shoulder, which represents the strength of the animal, and they give that to God. You getting the picture? See, we take our self-strength and say, Lord, our self-strength isn't what's pleasing to you. So we are going to heave that up unto you as an offering. And as it comes down, I will receive your strength. See, God always wants our strength. There's a scripture that says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The word renew means exchange. Same typology as this. They that wait upon the Lord for the offering, they shall renew their strength. They shall exchange their strength. Here's my self-strength, Lord. doesn't get me anywhere. You know, I don't need it. I need your strength. Here. Heave it up. And then when it comes down, if it's all done right, with the right heart, then the strength of God, uh, to some degree, comes into our life and our heart through this offering. Through, through, <laughs> through the power of the Spirit of God to work through that which we offer to Him. Now, we're going to read verse 31 and 32 because the, the, um, the breast and the right shoulder were the priests. They were the offering <clears throat> given to the priest that was um, their portion. And the priest, <clears throat> verse, excuse me, verse 31. Could you read that? Do you have it? No? And the priest shall burn the fat upon the altar, and the breast shall be Aaron and his sons, and the right shoulder shall ye give unto the priest for a heave offering of the sacrifices of your peace offering. So, from what I can understand, what they would do is they would take the fat, and I think they had a breast and, and, and heave that. But anyway, they would take the fat, um, the innards, the kidney, liver, um, the hind part, and they would take that and burn that upon the altar. That, those were the parts of the animal that they burned on the altar. Those were the parts that God wanted. And the choicest parts, as far as consuming you know, food, were the parts that they left for the priests for this provision for them. And now that, excuse me, I'm losing my voice. Now that's bringing us to one of the things seen here in this offering that is different than any other offering, and that is the fellowship meal. The priests would take this now, and they would share that with the Levites. Now, you know the difference between the priests and the Levites, right? The priests were taken from the Levites. 
See, the priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. The priests were the ones that would, would do this. The Levites would be uh, the ones who would do service to help in and around uh, the tabernacle. So you would have the, uh, the Levites, the priests, and the offerers, and I believe their families. They, you know, the families of all, they would join together and, and sit down and have this meal all together. Now, there's something else here. Let's just turn to Deuteronomy and look at just a couple verses. Hold your place in Leviticus 7. Deuteronomy 12, verse 6. And thither you shall bring your burnt offerings and your sacrifices and your tithes and heave offerings of your hand and your vials and your freewill offerings and the firstlings of your herd and of the flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God and ye shall rejoice in all that ye have put your hand unto ye and your households wherein the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Verse 18. Uh, but thou must eat them before the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose thou and thy sons and thy daughters and thy maidservants, uh, manservants and thy maidservants and the Levite that is within thy gate. So this is talking about this fellowship meal uh, that they would partake of together. So, so what you would have here, you would have possibly another offering before this that was burnt completely, like the burnt offering. You would have the peace offering, which part of it would go toward this meal. Then if you remember when we first uh, opened up in Leviticus 7, 11, and 12, uh, it talked about bringing the meal offering. So then you would have the bread that was, was baked and grilled also. And then you would have a drink offering, which means that most of the time it would be wine. So there you have all this provided in this setting for this fellowship meal uh, between the offerers and the off those that did the offer, the priests. So this is the only offering anywhere in the Bible and of the five we're studying where the offerer partook of that which he brought. So there you again you can see uh, this provision and this celebration meal because of the peace and the fellowship that they were experiencing with God. And, and when I was looking at this, I couldn't help but think of uh, a communion service, you know, or, or coming together and, and worshiping God and having in spirit this fellowship meal. See, it's the same basic principle moving from uh, that in, in Deuteronomy, Leviticus. We see it moving right through the Scriptures into the New Testament uh, where Paul talks about when you come together. You know, there's to be provision, not just for you, but for your brother also. You're not supposed to eat your own supper. So this is moving in the scriptures everywhere. In 1 John, chapter 1, 
this, this scripture came to my mind as I was looking at the peace offering. And when you read the scripture by itself without studying the peace offering, you would never connect the two. Verse 3, John says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you may have fellowship with us, that you may sit down spiritually and have a meal with us, fellowshipping on this plane of the work of the Lord that has been done for you and in you, and through you, that ye may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. There's the fellowship meal. There's the peace offering. There's the peace there between the Father and man through Jesus Christ. All the provisions there to come together and fellowship. All the provisions. So, the difference between the peace offering and the burnt offering, I'm going to summarize. You know, I missed a verse here somewhere I wanted to look at. I don't know if you, you um, where is it? I don't know if you caught this when you were reading this or not. Oh, here it is. Okay. Go back to Leviticus 7. I want to bring this out before we close for today. Leviticus 7, we read verses 11. Well, let's just read them again. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offering, which, which he shall offer unto the Lord. If he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer it with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, un, unleavened cakes mingled with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil, and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. Besides the cakes, he shall offer of his offering what? Hmm? What shall he offer with his offering there? What? Did you say unleavened? Is that a misprint somewhere? <laughs> Everywhere else you look, it says unleavened, right? Maybe they misprinted this. No, this is the fellowship meal. Remember, if the offering is dealing only with Christ, and you know, like the, like the burnt offering, dealing just with the Lord, then it's with unleavened bread. No, no sin you know, or evil, that's what um, leaven, leavening means, sin or evil. This offering here, you have God, and also you have the offerer in this meal, the person, the individual, and they bring leavened, leavened bread. Because even though they have peace with God, and they are forgiven, yet there is still this sin nature there. That's why the leavened bread. That's why they bring the leavened bread. You bring to God an offering of thanksgiving, and you are forgiven. You are uh, experienced peace with, and fellowship with God, but still there is this leaven in us. 
You see? So that's why this is the only offering, this is the exception to the rule, uh, where you see leavened bread in it. So here you have the difference between the burnt offering and the peace offering would be this offering, you have leavened bread. You could bring male or female. Uh, the priest partook of it. Only a portion was burnt on the altar. And the offerer partook of his own offering. Those are the differences between this and the burnt offering. Now, in closing, I just want to read a couple of scriptures. The peace offering as a whole represents Christ, who is our peace. That's the main thought here. See, because it's not just our peace. Now, I looked at that. But the main thought here is Christ, who is our peace, because without him, we would not have peace with God. And in Luke, it talks about the birth of Christ, and I thought it was very interesting that the message for Jesus' birth was this, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. So you see this promise here of peace through him. In Ephesians, let's turn there, we'll look at a couple of scriptures in closing. Ephesians 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you were sometimes who were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself the twain one, man, one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the, by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace unto you which were afar off, and to them which were near. For through him we both have access to one spirit unto the Father. So Christ came to reconcile us to God, which enabled us to have this peace with him. So the different things you see in the peace offering relate to Christ and, and what took place, uh, for example, the, the wave and the heave, was all related to the peace that Jesus Christ provided. And it says in Luke, in, in closing, let's turn to Luke one seventy nine. It's prophesied that Christ would be the one who would lead us into peace. Luke 179. To give, the, to give light to them that sit in darkness, which we all were. We all sat in darkness. And in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Because the natural flow of the heart of man is toward unrest and agitation. So, and God knows that. So he provides Jesus Christ, 
who becomes our peace to lead us in the path of peace. And that path of peace can be summarized, and I'll just give it to you real quick, or expressed in four ways. And if you're writing this down, Romans 1.7, that's peace from God. 2 Peter 3.14, that's that we found in Him peace. From God, meaning its source. Uh, in peace means positional. Uh, Romans 5.1, it's peace with God. That represents uh, having communion and fellowship with Him. Peace with God. And then the peace of God. Peace of God, that's in Philippians 4, 7, and that would, um, would probably mean moving into a, a higher plane, so to speak, a deeper place, uh, a deeper walk, a deeper experience of, of peace in Him. And in closing, there's one scripture that really, I was thinking about this off and on all week. It says, the increase, this is from Isaiah, and the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. How can there not be an end to peace? I mean, isn't peace, peace? So there must be something about peace that is it's like a river, it continues to flow. And, and you can experience so much of it, but you didn't experience all of it. You know, you can move further in it, and there's still more. But the increase of his government and the increase of his peace, most likely meaning in you, there will be no end. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I don't understand it. But it's in the Bible, I believe it. So the peace offering was one more uh, means or method by which a person could express their heart to God. Now next week, Next week we'll look, I believe next week will be the sin offering. And that, those are not voluntary offerings. They will be offerings that, you know, are required because of sin.